As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. It is February 2023 and it's Rally Week on the WRC calendar. Round two of the FIA World Rally Championship taking us to the coldest rally of the year. And I think it's the furthest north we'll be going. Hello, I'm Lisa O'Sullivan, your humble host here on Spin the Rally Pod. Joining us today, we have former team boss George Donaldson. Good morning, George. How are things looking your way? Good morning, Lisa. I can see jet trails in the sky. It's a blue sky up there, but at Scotland, it may change in the next five minutes. <laughs> well, it could do. Uh, further down the country, kind of halfway between George and me, it is the voice of rally himself, Mr. Colin Clark. Good morning, Colin. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning. It's an absolutely glorious morning here in Staffordshire. Looking out of my window, the full moon, the snow moon, as it's known, has just dipped below the horizon. There's a little tinge, tinge, tinge of pink <laughs> in the sky and there's a crisp frost on the ground. It's a glorious morning, a really glorious morning. It sets me up nicely for Rally Sweden Week. Oh, that that moon is absolutely, has oh. been absolutely stunning this morning. Absolutely glorious. We've got high cloud down in Essex. Uh, the high pressure sitting over the UK at the moment. Uh, all the little birdies are singing. I made the rookie error of forgetting to leave my heater on its frost setting overnight in my garden office. So it's a bit chilly down here at the moment. We also are joined here on Spin the Rally Pod by the award-winning deputy editor of Dirtfish.com, Mr Luke Barry. The award-winning Luke Barry. You're going to embarrass me, Lisa, with that, but thank you. I appreciate that. Would you like a description out of my window as well? Or I would love a description from Edinburgh. Okay. Well, to be honest, it's strangely quiet this morning. We're not at commuter time yet, so we haven't got everybody running about with their coffees and their bags looking like headless sheep. But it is quiet. The sun is beginning to rise. As Colin said, there is a pink tinge in the sky. Um, But I'm sure in about 10 minutes it'll get a bit more manic um, and a bit less peaceful. But for now, it's quite nice to look out and to see quietness in amongst all the buildings. Well, we we did give you a round of applause last week, Luke, because uh, well done for being named the Motorsport UK Young Journalist of the Year for 2022. We're very proud of you and the work you do. And um, yes, we'll say it to you in person. Well done, Luke. Thank you. It's it's a good job. It's it's a good job. It's 2023, though. So we don't have to worry about 2022 anymore. That's in the past, Lisa. Mm. We'll gloss over it. (laughs) Here, Lisa. Lisa, I I have to say I do feel for you this morning. I I always forget that you actually properly at this quite unearthly hour have to get up, (laughs) get dressed and make your way down the garden. I'm still in bed. Toasty warm. Yes. Do you know, it's usually an absolute <laughs> absolute pleasure in here, but I did come in and thought, oh, no, what have I done? It didn't quite get sub-zero last night. It was about two degrees when I got up and went to the gym at six o'clock this morning because <laughs> I've already been to the gym. Um, temperatures in Sweden, we hope, will be hovering around the sub-zero 
Mark, um, George Cert- Donaldson, you are the master are. of the weather. Can we look at the weather? Can you give us the forecast? But I know Colin's also got insider information. Mm. Rally, Rally Sweden's the one that we want to know what the weather's like more than anything, really. Uh, realistically, nice and cold, uh, minus eight, uh, low minus two high today. And that is echoed through the week, plus or minus uh, three or four degrees. It's it's getting as warm as just minus four on on Thursday with a with a low of just zero, but no positives at all, just that hovering around zero. So we're not seeing any melt and we are seeing continuing um, uh, weather. There seems to be a little bit risk of a tiny little bit of maybe some freezing rain um on on some of the some of the days but it's a tiny amount of uh, precipitation we're seeing so little flurries uh, honestly speaking enough to probably just about affect uh, the first rally car on the road if, if that happens um but but i don't think it's going to happen on thursday that there's a slight risk of it but it's pretty small so i think we're looking at stable weather i have seen some photographs uh on the internet, uh, from various places in in uh, in and around Umeå, and it looks very nice, but not massive snow, but plenty of it. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm hearing, George. You know, I had a note of uh, of a friend who went out and had a look at the stages yesterday and said they are in remarkably good condition. There's plenty yes, of snow, plenty, absolutely. plenty of snow, and we've had we've had those those classic conditions that we look for every year, where you know about a week ago, eight days or so. Uh, well, like five or six days ago, actually, it'll be eight or nine days when the rally starts ago. Uh, you know, we did have weather that was a little bit milder. We did get a little bit of thaw. And over the last two or three days, we've had the minus 17s, minus 18s overnight, which give us that real, real firm base. And we're expecting Friday night, Saturday night again to be into double figure minuses. So it'll it'll be nice and hard out there. The snowbanks, I'm told, are solid as you like in places, <laughs> which is interesting because quite often when we get a lot of fresh snow, you know, those snowbanks look as if they'll they'll um, they'll do a job in deflecting the cars back onto the stages. But you know, they're just powder snow, and and you, you try to walk over the top of them, and you just yeah. disappear waist deep in the snow. Um, I'm told the snowbanks are pretty mm. solid, solid snowbanks, good solid ice base. Uh, really nice looking mm. conditions yeah, out the, there for the rally. So it's, uh, you know, okay, we're, we're not going to get those, the, the classic, in well, places it is from, from the pictures I saw from yesterday, there are pictures of, of the, the tree line stages with snow on the trees. I don't think that's going to be quite as it's, as beautiful as, as, if you like, as it's been in the past. Uh, but that doesn't matter. The important thing is we've got some really good snow, some good ice space, good snow banks. It's going to be Realistically, great. the conditions that we seem to have at the moment, Lisa, so it melted a little bit, as Colin said. That lets the, 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 the moisture go down through the, 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 the snow base and, uh, and turns it basically to, 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 to ice as it freezes again. So you get this lovely solid base. The snow banks at the side and the hard road make it the most fun to drive. So I think we hear a lot of comments from drivers saying <laughs> this is just the absolute perfect conditions. The hard snow banks, as Colin says, means that the drivers can lean against it. Now, I know, you know, he mentioned that they're rock hard. They are. There's that, that very hard crust on them. Uh, but still, you can still lean a car against it, oddly enough. And, and I'm sure we'll see the drivers losing lots of body work doing just that. Um, so really, it, to my mind, should be the most classic rally. It reminds me of... 
when I drove in 1985, uh, I drove six Swedish rallies. In 1985, it, it got down to minus 35, minus 38. Yeah. Uh, the oh. sea, the sea froze on the way home. The sea was frozen for about two or three hours out of out of Gothenburg, heading out into the North Sea. It was just amazing, uh, but the conditions were just beautiful to drive. Absolutely. It's, it's painful, George. Mm. I remember the year that we went to Norway, uh, and actually the year before that yeah. in Sweden. Um, remember the year where Marcus Gronholm and the Fords came out on the final morning and it, it, something had frozen up. Marcus was lucky. His his car actually got out of Park Fermi. I think the other two Fords didn't get out. And it was minus, again, as you say, 34, yeah. 35 degrees. I remember when we went to Norway as well, minus 30 plus degrees. And it is painful. The minute you step out of the car, any exposed piece of skin... It's well, just like you, you have that very weird thing where your your nose hairs freeze oh, as God, as you breathe right. in, so it feels like you've got bogies <laughs> hanging out of your nose. But basically, your nose has <laughs> your hair has frozen, and then when you exhale, it it defrosts, <laughs> and then it refreezes again when you breathe in again. It's it's the most extraordinary weird thing. And if you have any bits of hair sticking out, they'll freeze in yeah. a strange and yeah. an odd direction. But um, I love the idea of these. Um, I, the, the snow banks, and I mean, ice banks is pretty much what we want to call them. It sounds a bit like it's going to be going down a bobsleigh run, potentially, but in a multi-million pound car, which is, I mean, saying that some of the technology used for bobsleighs are, it is, is right up there. They do go into the wind tunnels um, to work on the aerodynamics and stuff like that. But yeah, I, I love it. I can't wait to see. It's, it's fine so long as they're all nice and smooth and you don't hit a sticky out bit that will stop your car. Um. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. A lot of the crews, Luke, have been out over the weekend enjoying wintry conditions, preparing with other events. Should we have a little look through how they've been doing? I know wait, Tanak's been out on the road in Estonia. Yeah, I, th- I think that was quite a, an enjoyable homecoming for Tanak, possibly a less enjoyable homecoming for Esapeka Lappi, who unfortunately managed to get his high and dry beach in a snowbank for 11 minutes, which probably wasn't... <laughs> well, it's interesting, this, actually. I've seen quite a few comments that have suggested that it's all very bad for Lappi and all this sort of stuff, but the way I see it is he's far better to do this on the Kupil Rally in Finland than he is this weekend in Sweden. So if it gets the mistake out of his system, as it were, I don't know if that's really a thing or not, but if it does, then... It's out of the way, but of course, the real reason these guys were there was to just test, essentially. We've discussed it a little bit already this year on Spin the Rally Pod, the reduction in testing means that we've got drivers going to national events, which I think it was Colin that was was rightly saying that it's a, a massively positive thing for fans across the world. It's showing people in different countries these Rally 1 cars who otherwise probably wouldn't necessarily get to see them or at least get a second chance to see them throughout a year. But obviously, we know there are connotations to that. I don't know if we want to get into that today. But um, yeah, it was an, in- an interesting time. Tanak basically breezed his event, as you'd expect. Um, Lappi was quicker than Takamoto Katsuta, who was also there. But then Taka, I think he hit a snowbank and burst a radiator. Lappi went off on the penultimate stage and finished about 20, 
if odd. Look, I'm not sure, but the end re- the end result is pointless. For these did guys. you see yeah, any sorry, of the footage? Sorry, Luke? Did you see any of the footage, particularly of Lappy? There was one piece of footage that I saw of Lappy and George. It kind of goes back to what you were saying about, um, you know, I, I think the high undies, this 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 slightly perplexing situation where they test and then turn up at rallies with very different cars. But, you know, there was a comment. I, I saw a bit of footage and I thought that's weird. And I watched it about, I kid you not, eight or nine times. And I couldn't work out what was going on. They were coming out, or Lappy was coming out of a very fast right-hander into a, it looked like a short left-hander, but the guy that filmed it just lost them for a second. So he couldn't, couldn't exactly say what there was. But it, as the car reappeared, and it was, it was fractionally of a second that the car was lost, it was doing completely the opposite to what you expected it to do. There was massive oversteer. When you expected the car to be almost pointing the other way from what you'd seen coming in and then going out into this fast one. And then the next thing I hear, he's talking about the differentials not working, I thought, there's something not right with that car. That doesn't look right to me. Uh, and then he puts it off. Um, I think Lappy had a fairly torrid time at this test, and uh, I, I really, really hope that it was just him getting used to the car and not something more than that. Because, you know, as you've said, George, you know, we, we, we've heard the report last week, Lappy saying he couldn't trust the setup from the car in Monte Carlo after the test. You know, is he going to trust the setup of the car now after, you know, as Luke said, it was the penultimate stage, I think. Was it the penultimate stage? Look at the last stage that he, he went off. I, th- I, think, I think it was penultimate. Penultimate don't stage quote me on that. he went off on. So he's had, he's had a few kilometres to get used to the car. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. It looked odd. That one piece of footage I saw and then followed by the report he was talking about differentials, I thought, hmm... Um, that, that's maybe not quite going yeah, to Yeah, it's difficult to know really exactly, Colin, having not seen the, the video footage. But, I mean, no. again, it could just be the fact that he obviously wasn't doing what you were expecting to do. Uh, you, what you were expecting is, I suspect what he did was make a mistake and he's, he's, he smacked into a yeah. snowbank. So you've seen the car now, you know, after it's hit the snowbank, you've missed that little bit of footage. So you've seen the car, like, what, what on earth's happened there having not seen seen the incident? Uh, uh, the... Mm. the and he's blaming that he's blaming that incident on the the differentials. But to do that on the the second last or last stage, albeit a very s- uh, small rally, uh, yeah, very possible it, it got caught out by by something. But he's driven the whole rally like that. Um, so you, you know, on one hand, you, you imagine he would have understood a little bit about what the car is doing. I mean, in, in so many ways, driving on ice. A proper ice rally um, with with that consistent level of grip, well, such as we're expecting in Sweden. Well, the proof the proof will be later in the week, of course. Uh, but it's the easiest and most pleasurable driving that that a driver can do. That said, it's still absolutely out there on the limit, and you're pushing it to the limit. But somehow, there's a little bit of extra cushioning in there, just a tad. Um, and that would normally relay itself in, you know, visits to the snowbank if you get it wrong or just a little bit of a lack of pace. You know, it looks good, it feels good to the driver, but he's not quite making the pace because his, his diffs are too open or his diffs are too closed and it's causing causing the car to behave in a particular characteristic. So it's just as fine as that. So the limits, although it's somehow easier to drive and very pleasurable and lovely, I mean, just an absolutely brilliant experience, um, ultimately, the limits and getting the most out of the car is just as hard as anywhere else. So, yeah, tough one. So, so here's the thing, George. Here's the thing. You know, uh, Luke, was it you wrote the piece about um, about 
Lappy saying he doesn't trust or he potentially might not be able to trust the, the testing data for Sweden. Did, did you write that piece? It wasn't me. Okay. It was uh, Rob Hansford, okay. I think. It, I it, it, it's an interesting thing, George. And I, 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 you, know, you have mentioned it many, many times, George, particularly in relation to Thierry Neuville. You know, the fact that he has these tests, they're positive tests, and then all of a sudden he's quite a long way off on Friday morning and it takes him all of Friday to get the setup of the car right to be competitive. Is there something fundamentally wrong potentially there, George? Could there be a disconnect between the test team and the competition team? That's you know, Could it be something small? Could it be something that's fundamentally not right there, that's, that they're not communicating properly, there's something not going on? Is there maybe, is there maybe something more going on there? Is that possible after I don't think, all this time? I, I don't think there's be been anything fun? more than that. It's what we've been saying for the last, I mean, how long have we been saying it for? Maybe the last 18 months? Something like that. Maybe maybe even two years. Yeah. That there is a there is a there is a. How can it go that's on what for confuses that me, Colin, time is... and time again. I say exactly that. I am at a loss as to understand how they don't get that right. Look, it's really really hard. I mean, make, make no mistake. I'm not sitting here glibly saying, "Oh, they're you know they're doing their testing wrongly." Far from it. They'll be going very diligently, working very very hard to get those tests right. Sometimes, sometimes I have seen the best performances, and now this is really odd and very counterintuitive to say it, I've seen the very best performances from drivers coming out when they've not had any test at all or they've had a totally insufficient test. They're, 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 the yeah. engine... Do you know the best example there, of that, there's George? There's many of them, but fire in, fire in, yeah. Well, I'll give you the best example of that. Loeb Monte yeah. Carlo last year. A very limited yeah. test changed nothing in the setup when he got to the rally mm -hmm. and was bad. But I, I've seen it. I've seen it with lots of drivers um, where they've they've not be, they've been saying they've not got the tests, and then you, you know you, you as, as a team manager or just as a as a colleague uh, when I was doing the the customer cars, just sitting down with the drivers and and having a chat with them about what did they think they were testing. You know, the, the, like, you know, somebody's not made the production championship test on the Monday. They've had a problem with the car and they only got they only got 10 kilometres and everyone else got got 70 or 80 kilometres. And they're, they're despondent about their week. I think that happened once with uh, with Hayden Padden, who then went on to I, I, I think he, he dominated the, the, the group on that rally. But I remember sitting with him and just saying, you know, what Hayden? What do you think that extra fifty kilometers would get you? Well, it's familiarity. Hayden, it's just practice. And honestly speaking, you don't need the practice. You know yourself when you tip the car into the the first corner on that first stage, it all falls into the place. The only difference that testing makes is between now and that first corner in the in the stage, that first few hundred meters. That's the only time that all that testing and practice, as I like to call it makes a difference in your head. At that point, when you tip into the first corner, all the natural skill and all the the innate understanding that you've built into the very fibre of your being that, that translates itself through the car to, to read the road and interpret what the car's doing, that 60 kilometres of testing doesn't make that big a difference. Psychologically, it does. So let's just get over that, put it to bed. Mm. And then that's what Sebastian Loeb would have done. Sebastian Loeb would have said, I'm just going to have to rely on my experience. So he put it out of his head. You know, last year in Monte Carlo, I've not tested. It doesn't matter. Uh, I, I trust the car. The car feels nice. I'll just go for it and see what I get. And and you know what? You can do that. Mm. So 
Um, I'm not suggesting that's what 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 Essa Pekka needs to do. Far from it, and and uh, I'm not suggesting that 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 that's uh, in any way relating to Thierry Neuville because it's not. It's a different thing. But I've seen that with even top drivers. I've seen that with with top factory drivers that complain about you know having a bad test. Forget it, guys. Honestly. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. So what, what do we think then? You know, we, we look at the, the three guys that were testing at the weekend and Craig Breen as well tested, I think on the Friday, wasn't it, Luke? That Craig tested on the Thursday or the Friday <coughs> at the, uh, the Hyundai test area. Uh, and it looked to me as if it was a section of unemployment. And I know their test area is based around there. Um, I thought I recognised that house, the, the one, one of the sections that we saw, quite a lot of video footage coming out from, showed <laughs> a yellow house. It wasn't the yellow the house, yellow but it was house. a yellow house. And I, I, I actually did some, some summer filming by a house that looked very, very familiar. Uh, but the cars Four walls, a roof and yellow. Yeah, <laughs> Surrounded by trees. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly yeah, what trees. it was, George. <laughs> ne next to a very fast section of road. Um, but, but if we look at the three boys that were out to the weekend, uh -huh. we look at Tanak, the conditions he had, and we look at Lappi, and then we look at Katsuta-san. Um, you know, Tanak, for me, uh, it, was, it was, as you're saying, George, it was, it was just seat time because there was quite a lot of fresh snow there. And... and you know, the, the conditions that we're expecting and certainly where Tanak's going to be on the roads, he's not going to have to deal with a lot of fresh snow, is he, in Sweden? So you might argue that maybe the conditions that um, the Toyota boy, well, that, that, that Takamoto and, and Lappi had, I'm still referring to Lappi as a Toyota boy. I must get that out of my head. Um, he's a Hyundai boy this year. Uh, you know, their conditions... I'll just, uh, I'll just record you saying it, and if you get it wrong, I'll just play over the top really seamlessly <laughs> so you'll kind of go... You're very good, Hyundai! Please. You're very good. Um, you know, I, I think maybe the conditions in Finland for, for the rally in Finland looked maybe a little bit more representative, but, but Tanak will have got a lot out of it, I'm sure, but maybe um, Takamoto and Lappi got a little more out of it. Yeah, I don't yeah know. It, sound, it sounds like... Sounds like Lappi's been left a little bit confused, though, doesn't it? If he's making those comments after he's gone <laughs> off, oh, my diffs weren't right. Well, I don't, I don't know, Josh. I think he made the comment about the oh, differential right, okay. before he went off. <laughs> and I've sent you that clip, by the way, guys. I don't know if anyone's noticed. I think I've just sent a wee text with that clip to you yeah. guys. If you get a second, George, have a look and see do. what you think of that. Sorry, I interrupted um, Luke there but, um, um, with my, my meanderings. Yeah, go ahead, Luke. What were you saying? You didn't really interrupt me too fair, George. We kind of just both went for it at the same time. <laughs> and I thought, who knows more of the subject than me? George Donaldson. Um, no, I was just going to say it's interesting that I guess there is a sort of flip side to all this testing in that if you've got a situation like Lappy, where it obviously hasn't gone completely to plan, will that actually now put him in a sort of worse position psychologically than it would have done had he not done the rally at the weekend? I don't know, because you could argue that he's like discovered a problem that he may have discovered on the rally she's got ahead of it. But actually, does he now go into the rally this week with less confidence than he would have done? And it's an interest. I don't know how much that genuinely affects drivers. I've never had the chance to ask them. But George, you might be able to give us a bit of insight there. I'm not sure. But it, it does interest me that if these things do go wrong, it is kind of the flip side. With, with Tanak, I think we mentioned the conditions, and I agree, actually, having looked at the, the video footage that was online, it did look 
slightly less ideal. But I guess for him, it seems to me that the, the mission is just get used to the Puma and what everything that it can do. So I guess for him, it's still a positive no matter. I think he could have been driving anywhere I think and it, it would have been useful. Really, I think it really was. And, and you know, I heard some of the interviews with Tanak from Autofa. Um, and he, he turned around to the interviewer at one point and the interviewer asked, you know, are you, are you changing much? And he turned around and went, look, these guys are working really hard pointing at these mechanics. They've got a lot to do. <laughs> so he was clearly changing things. And, and as, as you would imagine, I think he did say at one point, I'm pushing them hard, you know. So, you know, clearly he was trying different things and, and, and uh, you know, maybe trying different setups, maybe different differentials, who knows. Um, but, yeah, the conditions were, I think, far from ideal in terms of where Tanak will find himself on Friday morning on the road, but I'm sure he used every single kilometre of that rally to his advantage. Um, and he sounded at the end of the event really positive and um, you know, he dealt with it well. Sometimes Tanak in those situations where, where, where there's, there's intense media focus and pressure on him, um, sometimes he can, he can react, I think, in a slightly bad kind of way. And T Tanak's a great guy and we, we love Tanak. He is one of the, one of the, um, the most uh, approachable guys in the right circumstances, in the wrong circumstances. My goodness me, stand back. He's very, very difficult. But the interviews I heard from the end of the Autopa rally, he did sound uh, really, you know, in a good place, in a really good place. He looked strong. He looked confident. Um, he looked in control. And, and for Tanak, that's really important. I think at times with Hyundai, he looked far from in control, but he looked in control in the interviews that yeah. I saw. And for me, it was really encouraging. I think really, this, is, really this is one of these situations, Colin, where it probably, Sweden possibly contradicts many of the things I say about test. And I'll, and I'll just do it myself right now. Because Sweden is such a clean, relatively speaking, a clean driving experience, the drivers have to rely on the feel for the car less. They can just push to the absolute limit. It's, it's always been the fastest rally in the world when it's an icy one, at least. Uh, so basically, Ott's test would have been where he could have made the car less drivable to get more traction. So basically, the more traction and the more you get out of the car, the less easy it is to drive. Um, and, and I think I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit later in the in the podcast because I want to re relay my thoughts about something to, about that. But basically, you can he, he could soften the car, make it harder to drive, get more traction out of it. And if he's used his test to do that, which it very much sounds like he does, watch out, everybody. You know, you're going to see that Puma right uh, sitting right at the front. And I would be surprised if we saw anything less than Ott being able to push very, very close to the front, if not right there. Maybe it'll come down to a little bit of uh, ultimate car performance. That that might be a factor because Sweden's such a high-speed event. Um, I noted last year that the Ford seemed to be 5 or 6 kph slower at top speed on all the in-car footage I, I watched. And that might count for something in Sweden, but let's see. Ott's proven Ott proved, proved, uh, last year that he can, pull, he can pull rabbits out of hats. So, yeah, wait and see. But... I think his test was very, very relevant and very, very good. And I've looked at that little bit of footage of Essa Pekka now, uh, Colin, and when, when I watched it three times there in, in the intervening uh, moments whilst Luke was talking. Sorry, Luke, I didn't hear everything you said. I apologise. But the... Um, uh, you're, That's OK, George. Hyundai Rally 1 car is okay. more interesting the, than the, um, <laughs> but, but ultimately, I think what happened was that the car went a bit light. It sounds like it almost jumped. So, so it, it went very sideways. It picked up the snowbank and then recovered. And you can hear him going off into the distance. So he didn't crash immediately there. Um, so, I mean, no. and that car looked to me like, I mean, he was absolutely flat out on the limit. Um, 
uh, I, I, you, you're just from looking at that one footage, you wouldn't pick up anything more than that. And I mean, the car, yeah, the car got away from him, but it was fully recoverable. So, um, it looked just looked odd to me the way that you know I wasn't expecting it to be at that angle yeah, as it came back yeah. into the shot. And I thought, you know, it's it's almost as if you know there was when we've heard it an awful lot with the high Hyundai, you know, that that soft back end with the uh, you know it's, it's a little tricky mm. at times, isn't it? It can oversteer, snap yeah. oversteer. Um, and it just looked as if maybe that's what was happening. But, but uh, you know, it, it is going to be interesting, George. We talked a little bit last week about road position. And, and you know, I've, I've tried to get to the bottom and I've done a little bit of digging into, into previous results. And, you know, I, I get exactly what you're saying about, you know, the first car on the road has the best ice conditions. But f from what I can work out, um, I think the best position will be five or six on the road, which is strangely where mm. Tanak's going to yep. be. Um, um, you know, just a little bit of broken ice seems to give, you know, you get rid of that loose layer of snow and there's always, doesn't matter, you know, when the last snow was, there's always a loose layer of dusty yeah. kind of icy snow on the surface. The first car almost inevitably will have a little bit of cleaning. And then as it breaks that ice, that, that slightly broken ice, to me, from, from what I can work out from some mm, of the, the times I've been looking right. at, you know, mm. that broken ice seems to give a bit more grip than the pure ice. The pure ice itself is great, and the, uh, you know, it does give you that traction for the, the studs to grip into, but a little bit of broken ice almost. Remember, don't forget the fastest rally we had on Rally Sweden was the one where it was frozen yep. gravel. Yeah, there was hardly any ice. It was the one with, with the Elvin Evans one mm -hmm. in 2020, and that was remarkably fast. And there was practically mm. no ice there. It was it was frozen gravel that was giving that remarkable grip to those tyres. So um, I'm not sure. I, I think I think maybe. And and okay, Friday is a little bit shorter than it could have been. Um, you know, we have the opening Romeo special, and then we have about 105 kilometres of first pass on the Friday. That may well fall into the hands of Cali or of Impera, it may well help him. But then don't forget the other complicating factor that comes out every year and was Ogier's biggest bugbear was the classic rally. It's a fantastic event for all the spectators. It's one pass runs after the main yeah. rally on the first loop of stages. What does it mean? It means that you get some very, very strange lines for the first car on the second pass. Uh, and, and Ogier would often say, Actually, the road cleaning effect on the second pass is yep. worse than the first pass because you've got all these these strange width tires, strange width cars. The lines are all over the place. There's so much more cleaning to do. So you know, Robin Perr is capable of anything, and he's very much capable of winning from the front. But that first Friday will be, I think, you know, that'll tell us whether or not Robin Perra can win this event, depending potentially how much time he loses yeah. from the front. Yeah, it'll, it'll be so morning and afternoon, basically, because obviously the, the, the cleaning yeah, effect exactly. different in the afternoon than the morning. And just to, just to cover your, your point about the, that ice cleaning, Colin, if if there is you know any sort of dusting of snow at all, which which just melts a little bit and then freezes, of course, that's not compacted ice. When you clear off that that sort of, you know, less dense ice sort of snow turning to ice the, the first cars are clean that off and then you get down to the you know the the ice that's basically well formed it's, it's kind of like a, a miniature sort of glacier concept where you know it, it doesn't it doesn't rain ice it rains snow which then melts freezes melts freezes and and, and gets compacted by the weight of the ice or the passage of cars gets compacted down to ice. So yeah, that, that, that top layer certainly is always the most delicate and then you get down to that harder base and 
as as you pointed out, the gravel rally, which uh, you know fr is frozen gravel. It's wet frozen gravel. It's not just gravel. It's frozen. It's cold. Um, it's bound together by by water, um, and that made the fastest rally of all. Yeah. So. It is absolutely yeah. So you're probably you're probably right, Colin. I'll, I'll I'll bow to your uh, your your in-depth technical uh, test there because you're absolutely yeah. right. That's that's the me the method absolutely, and and I'd right, kind George. of discounted that a little it's, bit, thinking it's. I was kind of thinking rain and then freezing, which I, that, that that's what we got in uh, in in the past, and it, it's pretty amazing when it comes. But you've spoken quite a bit there about the the refreezing and the freezing and that going deeper into the. Um, permafrost almost of the road as well so so all of that is is going to make this I, I was just going to make it a cracking rally it's making me feel even more cold in my cold garden um <laughs> cabin at the moment um so who realistically are we looking at to dominate here because uh, Robin Perra has made no secret of the fact that he wants it icy of course he does, because that will give him the best road condition uh, categorically. So he he's got to really hope for those those hard conditions. Well, it looks to us like he's got it. I mean, the fact that it, it has been above freezing and there has been melts, the road of course isn't necessarily the first thing that melts, but but there is sunshine. The the, the, the temperature has been high enough for for some melt to occur, and that lets the, the road become wet, and then it instantly freezes again as soon as it becomes nightfall. So he's got his icy road. I'm pretty sure he's got his icy road for the most part. But there'll still be a form factor, as Colin has mentioned, where still those maybe those first few cars are are dealing with a slightly softer condition. Certainly, they usually would be dealing with a slightly softer condition than the, the cars third or fourth, maybe even fifth on the road. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Mm. And who do we have further down that, that might upset things? I mean, there is Craig Breen, clearly. Uh, and Craig, Craig could, with could go very, positions. Craig could go very well. I mean, Craig, Craig's got no problem driving this car in the past. So basically, if, as the stories tell us, it's a, you know, it's a car biased towards um, uh, Thierry's input, you know, it, certainly Craig has no problem driving that car. Uh, categorically, has no problem driving that car. And again, sometimes with very little testing, he's, you know, he's got remarkable results. So he's the big threat. Essa Pekka, uh, I would suggest that he sounds like he's having a little bit of difficulty um, from the comments he's maybe made in up in, in Finland on that little test rally. But, I mean, that remains to be seen. The event, like I said, um, it's all it's all about perception. The very first corner you turn into on that first stage sorts it all out because you basically lean in and you feel it. And by the time you get to the second or third corner, that's you. You've got the bit between the teeth or not, as the case may be. This car's not quite right type feeling. So yeah, just a few corners into the, the rally, the drivers all have, um, will have settled into a, a, a notch where they're going to be, whether it's like perf perfect or coming towards perfect, which they could adapt during the rally. You can only make those small changes. But um, Esapeka, I would, I would have concerns for him. Um, he's, he's got he's got a lot to prove, and um, 
it, it might be a struggle. I, I would put I would put some money on Craig Breen for a top three. Um, I think that would be it would be fantastic to see that as well, wouldn't yeah. it? Because it's not worth going over the ground of last year. We know how difficult last year was for Craig, and there were I think people forget there were still podiums last year, but just far too few for his and, and M Sports liking. But I really do believe that this should actually be the remaking of Craig, if we can call it that. I think, as you said, George, the Hyundai environment has seemed to work for him in the past. He's got good form on these sorts of events. He was second, don't forget, in 2018, I think it was, in a Citroen. Citroen. So yeah. he knows exactly how to drive on these oh, routes. Absolutely. He has got a good road position, as you mentioned. The disadvantage he has got is he didn't, he hasn't got as much sort of relevant seat time, but he's done the test, so that really shouldn't hinder him too much. I think it's important we all don't put too much pressure on him, but I believe that, yeah, you're right, yeah. I think he could be think certainly could, one to watch yeah. on Friday. But the other the other enormous disadvantage he's got, Luke, is that he crashed on the opening stage effectively last year. Uh, you know, he's, he's discovering these stages, a lot of these stages for the first time. Um, I, I, I really do. I think George's point's a really, really good point. That you know, if we if we say the design philosophies um, have continued through into the Rally One car at Hyundai, and we know that the 2017 generation car was also a difficult car to drive. Remember, Sebastian Loeb couldn't master it. Mickelson couldn't mm. master it. You know, the only one who could master that car really was Thierry Neuville and potentially Craig Breen. Um, so if that philosophy has continued on into the new car, into the Rally 1 car, which, which we understand is a little bit of a handful to drive as well, but Nouvelle manages it, then you're right, George. There's no reason yeah. why Craig Breen shouldn't, if the design philosophy yeah. is the same, why he shouldn't be able to pick it up and go with it. My concern is, is, is A, the pressure that's on him, B, the fact that he doesn't have as much experience of these stages as the other guys, and C, you know, is that car to the kind of you know, will it is it drivable the way that Bream wants it to be drivable? I sincerely hope it is because if it is, then you know the 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 lack of experience on the stages becomes less important. The most important yeah. thing is that that car is drivable to Bream's driving style. Yeah, and and I mean you say pressure. I mean the only pressure he'll be under from the team's point of view, I would imagine, uh, depending on feedback from tests, etc. Uh, would be, you know, he, he's there as the third man on the team. You know, you're not doing the championship. We need you to be. We need you to right. be the best result you can. But you've got to finish. Yeah, so true. he's yeah. not under pressure. Yeah. He's not under pressure to set top times. Yeah. It, it's 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 inherently expected of you <coughs> to be in the fight. But but you're also inherently expected to be safe. So to be making no uh, mistakes, George. To be making, making no, no mistakes. No mistakes you're there at all. As the, so, as the safety net, so aren't you? So there, there is some pressure, but at least it lets it, it gives him a stage or two to play himself in. But exactly. again, you know, when a driver dials himself in, and we've seen it from Craig, you know, where where he's been, you know, second overall on on you know Finland Rally. And I'm not taking any chances, and I feel like I'm driving, you know, like on the limit, but not taking any crazy chances or anything. Exactly. If you just dial it in and get it right, that's fine. But, uh, you know, Katsuta's another one that, that's going to have a, a great road position and has gone very, very well on the ice in the past. Um, he's reaching that point in his career, you know, where, where you, you're somehow expected to step up naturally, uh, as, as you would be. Um, and, and, you know, how many times have we seen drivers stall on that? Well, just, you know, we've got two other drivers in the championship that are exactly that right now, Craig and and, uh, and, and Essa Pekka. So, yeah, we, 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 um, it, isn't, it is difficult at this point in your career, but I think, uh, I hope he's got the, 
the capacity, the personality and the, the depth to deal with that and come out and, you know, deliver what he can. It's I a, guess it's the good first, thing for... First time he's driving sorry, for George. points as well, isn't it? I beg your pardon. Sorry, it is the first time he's driving for points. I was about to say, yeah, it, yeah, it is a very literal step up for Taka mm. this weekend, isn't it? And yeah. I guess the good thing in, in his position is as much as this is, it is the first time he's scoring points for Toyota, he's very, very, very much used to the team dynamic and the car. It's, it's not really a new situation unless he really decides to put the pressure on himself and view it that way and to be fair to Taka I don't I don't expect him to necessarily be wilted by that I'm interested to see if it affects his driving but the good thing he does have and the advantage he has is in Robin Perra and Evans he has two teammates that we'd expect to be right at the front so Taka probably almost even without trying to could become the the wingman anyway so he hasn't really got to do too much thinking just driving and and I just say that the difference now is any mistake he potentially makes is going to be more costly to the team. But I, I don't know. Like, Carl, you know him far better than I do. I, I don't expect him to be phased by this, to be honest. No, he won't. Uh, he, the, the only thing, the only thing, and, and this might sound a little far-fetched, and George, you'll know more about this than I will. The, the only thing is is the cultural side of it. You know, it's, it's an enormous step for him in terms of you know his, his whole aim since he joined the development programme was to be a Toyota factory driver. And that, that was that was where um, uh, Toyota-san set his sights. You know, he wanted a Japanese factory driver. Uh, and after many, many years, Toyota have a Japanese factory driver. And I, and I don't know. I don't know whether that will affect him. I don't think so. I think he's, he's, he's strong enough mentally um, to be able to accept that. But culturally, these things, George, are sometimes... Um, you know, they, they, they can sometimes add an extra dimension, can't they, to the, to the pressure burden? Definitely. I mean, we've seen the comments from, from, uh, from, from Katsu on many occasions, you know, apologising for letting the team down, etc., etc. So, you know, he does, does take that responsibility on board. Mm. Hopefully the, the team will have given him... I mean, the, the, the team is... They're a wonderful bunch of people from, from, uh, from Tom Fowler, down the, the practical, you know, people on point understand the sport very well. You've got you've got uh, Kai Lindstrom there. Uh, bet between him and Tom Fowler, you've got two of the most practical, steady people in the sport that that are realistic about expectations, uh, massively detailed in their approach. So th there's nobody better than them to understand what Katsu should need and how his approach should be on this rally. And I'm sure they'll give him the support and guidance to, to make his, uh, to, to remove pressure and let him, you know, deliver the performance that he can, which, you know, he only makes mistakes when he's, he, he's actually really pushing right out to the limit. He doesn't make silly little mistakes. So if he can just find that sweet spot, he's got enough performance to be in, in the top five, top six places. He's going to be in, in, in there within a few seconds of that, that pace and then you know just uh, not not take the ultimate chances so um and his survival skills are pretty good we've seen him having huge moments and he gets away with it so you know he, he doesn't stop he doesn't give up he keeps driving so i think we can we can see interesting things from him i, I hope that they've got it and i, I believe that the the guys at toyota uh, should do understand it very yeah. well and i think i think they'll have a great package around them to make sure it's a smooth event it's in everyone's interest. Well, let's hope um, they can actually also just um, stay in the rally and not in their heads. I think sometimes we, we see this with drivers as well, that when they when they really, really want to impress, 
that's when we see them do things that they well they do silly things that they look back and go I can't believe I did that we've seen it with Chris Meek over the past almost trying too hard yeah. to impress and, I think and I think he's, he's, he's uh, there's no margin he's in, been for around that long enough Katsuta and, and don't forget he has been around for some time um, you know he's had, he's had a really good run at it in terms of his progression uh, and that's, that's been the advantage of this development program with Toyota there's been some degree of security you know once once they decided which driver they were going with katsuta or uh it was uh, young arai wasn't it um then there was yeah. a degree of security and that allowed him to develop almost organically rather than having to push his development he was allowed to develop at his own pace uh and i and i think he'll understand he'll fully understand that you know where he's got to find his limits are the rallies where he's not part of the factory team as george has said he knows the job the job to sit there and he can score fifth or sixth place all day long he did it last year remember that wonderful run he had i think at the start of last year and if i remember correctly the start of the year before where it was just solidly fifth 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 or was it sixth i can't remember but it was fifth or sixth for the first five or six events you know he can do that day in day out and i, and I expect him to do that the one driver guys that we haven't mentioned um and and look you mentioned him but in passing um is elvin evans Elvin Evans, you know, we know how remarkably quick he can be on the snow and ice. 2020 was just just, just a dominant performance. Okay, it was a unique rally. It was very short, uh, and it was in that frozen gravel as opposed to snow and ice. Uh, but Evans lo loves the fast rallies. Um, he had a decent Monte Carlo in terms of his pace. He'll have a decent road position here in Sweden this week. Evans has to be one of our favourites. Well, yeah. Colin, absolutely, and I'm sure Luke, you'll agree. The, the reason that the reason that Elfin and and Akali haven't been mentioned much is that they're just assumed to be at that pace. You know, they're in Toyotas, and I, I personally, I assume them to be at that front front end pace. Uh, we're we're expecting Thierry to be really incredibly close, if not right there with them. And Ott, who is a little bit of an unknown because he's new in the car, we're confident that he's going to be in that pace. So those first four cars, there's less of a discussion point around them because it's such narrow margins around them. I wouldn't care to debate around them. I expect all of them to be challenging for the lead on that first stage. I really would expect nothing less. Thierry, of course, as we know, could could uh, could have difficulty uh, with his... With his with his setup just on the first day, but if it, if he comes out the box, you know he's going to be right on the nail. It's going to be brilliant, and ought um, we're we're just sure that the we're sure that the Ford is the right car. So that that's why they've not been talked about much, Colin. Maybe of more interest would be Lube, and I'd also like to discuss Bertelli a little bit out of interest. And I know that's that's a that's a little bit out of the box for us, but I would love to talk about that because it's a bit George, of a first. If you don't mind, if you don't mind, George, I just mm. want to ask Luke something about about yeah. Elvin. Um, you know, is there? You know, we talk about pressure on Breen. Is the pressure on Elvin mounting to give us a win in the Rally One car? Um, you know, and, and is you know, I know what I think. I, I don't think it is at all. I think Elvin Elvin is is the most capable driver when it comes to you know, compartmentalizing rallies. You know, he can he can look. He'll never ever look back at Monza twenty twenty uh, and let it bother him because he just moves on. Um, you know, he, he, he's capable of doing that. But I do wonder, I do wonder whether whether there's a wee bit of pressure building there on Evans now and whether he might start to feel that, Luke. Yeah, I think it is quite interesting. I suspect it's probably only pressure he's 
putting on himself. Rather he won't than, put. He won't put pressure on himself. No, he, so. he, no, he, does, he doesn't tend to, does he? <laughs> he? He's not. He's not the most. Um, what's the thing? He's he's sort of developed quite a habit now of always saying, "We'll sort of speak to him at the end of rallies." You know, go sort of. Well, you're never happy if you're not first. So in theory, Evans hasn't been happy for a year and a half now. But mm. it's it's such an interesting dynamic. I remember the I distinctly remember this comment at the end of Monte Carlo. So much so that I built a feature out of it this week <laughs> for Dirtfish, which may or may not be out by the time this podcast is released <laughs> and the time you're listening. But he's basically surprised that we're all surprised that he was quick in Monte Carlo because he he quite rightfully pointed out that he was quick in Japan. And Colin, I'm, I actually used one of your phrases in there as well. Yeah, full disclosure. But I remember you said to me in Spain, every day with you is equivalent to a school year's worth of learning. So it's paying off. It is paying off. <laughs> but you you described Sweden as a litmus test for Evans and his progression. And I think that's absolutely the right phrase to use because we've seen that this sort of, and it, it's harsh to call progression in a way because he was never far off. He just wasn't at the level that he had been in the previous year, not quite comfortable enough in, in the new car. But He's proved now that he can do it on tight, twisty, technical tarmac. Does he now have the marriage perfectly found for, for snow and ice? And I think Evan's key result for him this weekend is beating Rovan Perra. I think that is where he has to focus his attention on because he's, if I'm not incorrect, third on the road, isn't he, for Friday? Rovan mm. Perra's first. Realistically, that should give him, it's not going to be a huge advantage, but it'll be something. But I just think psychologically, if, if he can get one over on Cali now, it will just help him for the oh. rest of the year. That, that's the big thing. This is what worries me with, with Rovan Perrin. Is the start to the, of the season he's had is, for as much as we've hyped up the battle this year, and I do expect it to be closer than last year, but he had the best start he's ever had to a season on the yeah. Monty. He, he goes and pulls a win out of the bag in Sweden. It's all looking rather ominous again, isn't it? So, it is. Yeah. It is here to listen, answer the question, I don't think he's under too much pressure, though. Yeah. Evans. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. But that, that's it's interesting, isn't it? When you think about you know that that response, I'm surprised that you're surprised. Well, you know, maybe we should. I, I I think the surprise is justifiable because you know at times he looked lost in that car last year. So the surprise is not at his ability to go fast. We all know he's got consummate ability to go fast. The surprise, perhaps, is that he's got to grips or he looks to be getting to grips with a car that last year he found it very difficult to get to grips with. Mm. Maybe that's the surprise. And and Yeah. You're you know, surprised at his surprise. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, he, he, was, he was never he was never far away. I mean it, it was he was leading New Zealand. He was he was he was right yeah, at the front in, in Japan. In Japan. Yeah, true. So true, true, yeah, true. I, mean, I think I think his comments are fair and and I don't think he'll be feeling pressure going into this event at all. No, no do I. Um yeah. and, and I'm sure he will be targeting a win. But you know what? If he's if he's second and he's he's within ten seconds of Cali, that's a big enough message to say I'm here. Uh, I'm ready to exploit anything I can. I will get some wins here because they, they will come my way. Uh, it could be very difficult because Cali does does appear to have just been that that you know that step above everyone. It's a fractional step. It's it's a sliver maybe, but it's significant. Mm. He seems to be capable of bringing that extra bit out, which. 
uh, the other drivers uh, are also capable of, but somehow not just as effortly as Cali, but but it'll it'll, uh, it'll present itself quick enough. But I, I've got great confidence. As I said, I wasn't talking much about Elvin because I just expect him to be right at the front. He's got the Swedish form. He's got the ability. He's not scared of the terrain. He loves the speed. So, yeah, him, Cali, Thierry and Ott, they're all going to be in that bunch at the front. Here's a controversial one for, for another day, not for this one. I was going to say we need to move on. Yeah, a very second. controversial one. Um, at what point does Elvin Evans have to accept that he is a number two driver to carry Robin Perra in Toyota? At what point? For another time. I was going to say, okay. ask Danny Sordo about being um, being forced to be second man. Uh, we'll come to that. We'll come to that. We will. There'll definitely be a chance for us to discuss that. But I, I want to also flag up the fact that we are at the beginning of the season for ARA as well. And it is uh, getting underway yeah, I mean, there's a there's there's a few things missing. I think it's fair to say the American Rally Association has uh, one fewer rounds, eight rounds for the 2023 season, and of course we also have the great loss of no Ken Block. So it's going to be very difficult for and Travis Pastrana is is not racing this year as well. So um, a, an exciting calendar ahead, but some some really big misses, Luke, from the ARA scene this year. Yeah, I, th- I think, to be honest, with with Ken, I'm still struggling to... It doesn't still doesn't feel real to me, I think. We all know what's happened. I don't really want to go over that as such. But it is... It, I think it will be very obviously felt. I guess the irony is he wouldn't normally do the Snow Drift Rally, which is this weekend. But even still, I think it will be at the forefront of everybody's mind this weekend mm. in America. Because it just they know that he won't be coming back. And it, it is just the strangest thing. It's one of these things that you kind of take for granted in US routing, that, that Ken Block will be there. I think when you have a global figure like Ken Block as well, that everybody feels they knew really, really well, the whole strangeness of somebody being there one minute and gone the next is is difficult to process. And so it always feels unfair that the world starts again. It picks up and it carries on without that person. So uh, the event actually happening makes it even more surreal that Ken Block won't be there. It 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 is it, it is is an immense an immense loss for for the entire series uh, with with uh, with Ken's Ken's departure, of course, and and phenomenally sad. But you know his his personal legacy would be get back out there and fight, guys. Come on, uh, this championship is one of the most amazing rally championships in the world. Um, it, it's oddly enough remote from the rest of the rally world being in the US in, in many ways insular but it welcomes so many competitors internationally to come and do it it's a great series and now operating at a very very high competitive level uh, u- unique in the way that it works that they, they, they meld their own, their own uh, classes and they have been incredibly successful and clever with the way they've done that and I've got nothing but respect for for the for the ARA for and for all the competitors that do it. And I sincerely hope that Snowdrift up there in Michigan uh, this coming weekend is going to be an amazing two day event. It should be an absolute blast. Plenty of snow there as well, I believe. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. and George. Yeah, plenty of snow there. Uh, you know, if I can just add just a, a little bit about Ken. You know, Ken Block leaves an incredible legacy, and he leaves a legacy. Uh, not just covering motorsport, but covering you know the automotive industry, uh, you know social media. He was an absolute social media pioneer. Um, but you know part of Ken's legacy 
is that last season he helped to reignite the interest in the American Rally Championship. And, and, and you know, as you say, you know, it, it, it's now down to those who come, uh, who come this season and who compete this season to carry on that legacy. Uh, and to give us a great season of the ARA and to, uh, you know, to continue that momentum and that impetus that Ken and his wonderful team gave to the ARA last year. And I'm absolutely certain that every competitor, um, as Luke said, will be, will be thinking about Ken and, and, and maybe even more pertinently thinking about Ken's family. Uh, and, and they will do their absolute utmost to continue the uh, momentum that, that Ken started again with the ARA last year. It's, it is just part of a wonderful legacy that he leaves and everyone will do their very best to continue that. Absolutely. Well said. Well said. So looking at the championship, one event fewer, as we uh, we, we discussed there. And just to kind of flag it up, we've got the uh, start in Atlanta, Michigan. Then it's the 100-acre wood event in March. Then we've got over to the West Coast, April, towards the end of April. After Easter, we've got the Olympus Rally. And the Oregon Trail Rally follows that. Then it's, uh, what else have we got? Um, oh, uh, Sofra. Sofra, is, is that what we pronounce it? The New England Forest Rally, anyway. That's in mm-hmm. beautiful July. And the Ojibwe Forest Rally, back to its usual weekend in August, with the season finishing up with Lake Superior in October. Um, what a stunning series. I just, just want to do it. I, I want do. To be I, there. I kind yeah. of I need an RV I think and go and head oh, out to yeah. the states and just head across the states like a, a rally hobo. When when I first met uh, Ken Block, that's that's in fact what he was doing. He was he had a huge RV himself and his <laughs> wife and he, and and uh, it was at least one big husky dog. It might have been two, <sighs> and and they were they would drive to all the events. He, and I met him at uh, at Pikes Peak and he had this fa- fabulous motorhome. Went in and had a nice coffee with him, and. Uh, and chewed the fat for a while. Oh, brilliant. Uh, I mean, that's the way to do it. Way to do it. Absolutely. absolutely. Love it. Yeah. 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 Anyway, that's going to be a stunning event. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to following that. Uh, in line, so Friday, Saturday, for anybody that needs to be following it. And it should be a stunning event. Classic repeat repeat stage type loops uh, as per as per uh, WRC, really. So it's just... Um, God, save us. I want to be there. I need yeah, to get and, and, and the bonus is that it, it doesn't run on the same time zone as Sweden. So yeah. you just ditch the sleep yeah. at the weekend. And... 24 hours <laughs> of rallying. <laughs> Colin, there's the challenge. There's the challenge. Okay. That's <laughs> a whole, George, whole I've weekend failed. in the I've armchair. failed already. I've failed already. I'm too old to take up those challenges, I tell you. Ah. <laughs> well, the armchair never athletes. Too old. Never too old. But you will be able yeah. to follow all the action on uh, dirtfish.com your home for all things rallying let us know what you think what you want at dirtfish rally is the way to get in touch and uh, hopefully we'll keep you fully engaged with everything that's happening in both sweden and in atlanta michigan at the weekend as the ara gets underway as well um so uh, i have to say it's just started warming up in my cabin the sun's just poked its head over the house and is now blinding me in the eye, but it's a glorious day in the UK. Um, and I think that was a glorious podcast. Guys, thank you for your work. Thank, thank you, Lisa. No time, no, no time for a quick prediction. Top three oh, prediction, go Colin. Go yeah, on. yeah, I always go, like go, the top go. three. Uh, Tanak, Rovenpera, Evans. George? Uh, Essa Pekka, Lorenzo Bertelli and, and, and uh, Luby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm useless at these. That, that's as good as your as your scores out of ten, George. 
Award-winning deputy yeah. editor Luke Barry. Yeah. I, I think Rovin Pera because I just find it impossible to bet against him. Absolutely. I think Rovin Pera, I think Evans, and I think Tanak. No, yeah. it's a pick all the way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going all Rovin Pera to win in WRC too. I'm won. going Robin Perra. Uh, I want to see Craig Breen on the podium, so that's that's yeah. heart overhead, and uh, uh, Tanak. Yeah, so Robin Perra, Tanak, Evan, um, Breeny, Breeny. This, yeah, I, mean, I love, I love I your love thinking it. process, Lisa. I could hear you thinking there for that second, the microsecond. <laughs> yeah. it was great. But it, it's the fact that everybody's listening to our predictions, going, "Well, they're never right anyway." Yeah, it's true. Mine are fabulously wrong this time. I think Lorenzo Bertelli, I, I, I did read some comment about him uh, uh, saying that the Toyota was wonderful to drive. Uh, it's a car purely developed to go fast in, in drivers that are absolutely at the peak of, of WRC ability. And it would be a car very, very hard for anybody without that ability to drive. So I'm hoping, and it sounds like Toyota have managed to dial in some simpler to drive settings firmed that car up a little bit maybe given it less performance but a lot more drivability for him i hope that's the case otherwise he'll not manage second is it gonna look pretty which i predict uh his cars always look a little bit uh, different so <laughs> I, I, i'm not sure they were ever i'm not sure his cars were ever pretty but yes they were stri- oh my goodness they were, me always, george. they were always striking they're, no they're george the matte the matte green one with the yeah. gold roof was just the most when you saw that stylish. at stage ends it was just an was, object of stylish beauty it really it was. Had, it had it had style and it was distinct. I'm not saying I, for me it wasn't pretty. Then yeah, I'm just saying that's, that's perception. That's, that's it, it, TV doesn't look famous. I, I understand that somebody might think it's pretty, but I don't. No, I feel a listeners' nice, poll coming on here. Pretty subjective. I think, You're quite right. I think Lukey Luke, we're going to have to we're going to have to organise a poll um, for our listeners to decide <laughs> which is their <laughs> yes favourite prettiest prettiest pretty pretty prettiest uh, rally car ever. I do remember Lube's car winning a pole for liveries of recent cars once. So I'm, I'm not yeah. alone in thinking the gold-roofed one, the one with the gold roof, and oh, my goodness me. Right, we'll, we'll, we'll dig up some photos, special. and I think next time, well, maybe we'll run that on the website. But dirtfish.com, don't forget, keep in touch, and uh, dirtfish.com for all your rally needs. Mm-hmm.